Welcome to this episode of the Modern Law Library. I'm Ashley Elvervik from ABA Publishing, and I'll be today's host. In this episode, I speak with Stuart Levine, the editor of The Best Lawyer You Can Be. As an attorney, mediator, management consultant, and coach, Stuart focuses on creating resolution and agreement. He has written and spoken extensively before legal professionals for over 35 years. He is the author of the bestseller, Getting to Resolution, Turning Conflict into Collaboration, and has recently released a book of poetry. We'll be talking about the best lawyer you can be, New Year's resolutions, and how lawyers can get the most out of the New Year, New Me mentality. Stuart, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today, Ashley. All righty. Stuart, a lot of these chapters focus on positive habits, exercise, yoga, and meditation that are very popular New Year's resolutions. Why are these habits especially crucial for lawyers? Sure. It's a great question. And let me just kind of back up a minute and provide a little bit of a a larger perspective for the whole content of of the book. About two years ago, I was um, at a, a, a meeting of the Wellbeing Committee of the um, ABA uh, Law Practice Division. And the idea of the importance of coming up with a book came up, and in some ways it was kind of triggered by the then recently published study that was done by the ABA and the Hazleton Betty Ford Center, which talked about the higher level of addiction, substance abuse, divorce, and suicide by lawyers. And so we thought that it would be great to put together a um, a resource that lawyers could use. And when the opportunity came up, I kind of jumped at it because I had a lot of resources that I'd been kind of collecting over the years, and I'd been doing a lot of bit of, of thinking about the kind of things that contributes to kind of mental, physical, spiritual, emotional health on behalf of lawyers. And so the book was really kind of a labor of love and a joy to put together. And, you know, the first section of the book is all about what we'll call self-awareness. And it's just critical for lawyers to be thinking about, in the stressful times we live in, the extra stressors that are kind of, you know, in their workplace and ways of um, managing and handling that. It's, It's interesting. I did an event. Uh, yesterday, a webinar, you know, based upon the book. And lo and behold, and I sent you a copy of this, um, an article came up, and essentially the article was written by a widow of a, um, a lawyer working at a big firm, and she actually blames big law for the death of her husband because he committed suicide. And I was saddened to read that, aside from the personal story, because many of the resources in this book really kind of speak to and provide a path for people feeling that kind of stress to kind of move through it and and move at it. So it's a critical time, holiday time especially, for high levels of stress and depression, Um, and it'd be great for lawyers to be thinking about these things as they begin a new year. Absolutely. And how do you think that lawyers can incorporate these strategies better to, like you said, deal with these modern day stressors or these red flags that are appearing? Um, You know, how are these really crucial methods, like especially applied in a law kind of lifestyle? Sure. 
Well, one of the things is, is for uh, an attorney to be kind of aware of the mindset of, quote, invincibility, the mindset of perfection, the mindset of always having to have the right answers. And to be aware that that can sometimes kind of get in the way, you know, the old having a um, kind of a stoic personality can get in the way when somebody really needs help. Because as this suicide showed, pressures build. And so self-awareness would be kind of the first step for, am I feeling a level of, of stress, of emotion beyond what I usually feel? Does exercise no longer do the trick? Am I, as opposed to having a glass of wine with dinner, you know, having uh, two martinis before dinner to try to block that stress during the course of the day? Do I feel the urge for some substance to kind of alleviate some of the stress? So that's a sign that something needs to be done. And then it's a question of, so what would be the kinds of interventions that I might partake of? And, you know, the book is, is kind of, you know, almost every chapter in the book provides a solution that somebody could grab onto. And it's a question of, in some ways, going shopping through the chapters in the book and see what reaches out and grabs an individual practice. Definitely. No, this book is filled with different strategies, everything from, you know, exercise and yoga uh, to meditation and mindfulness and really just any variety of strategies that people can use to help in any way that they're feeling stress. So speaking of stress, you left the legal profession due to burnout, as did uh, several other authors in this book. So what did your experience teach you about the importance of well-being? Well, you know, feeling in a sense burned out, as did a number of the attorneys, it taught me how important it is to pay attention to what's going on in your life. And it taught me a lot about quality of life being, at times, more important than, quote, success in, in a profession in a specific, in a particular way. You know, we, have, we may have a traditional kind of viewpoint of what success might look like. And the lifestyle that that kind of requires is not a lifestyle made for every kind of personality. So what I learned and what, you know, other friends and colleagues have learned is that um, because of who they are, they may not be cut out for what we'll call the traditional career path. Having said that, around the traditional career path, there's also a lot of kind of agitation going on right now within the legal profession where people are not choosing that traditional career path and where, um, especially true of younger generations, people kind of demanding some changes in the way the profession is actually structured. So a lot of learning goes on when you kind of hit an edge like that because it causes you to think about what your actual experience is. Definitely. And I know you mentioned there being kind of some change-ups and some new pushes in the legal profession. So that leads me to a chapter called Your Best Career Path, which I found very interesting because a career coach discusses how to change directions in the legal profession. So how can attorneys figure out if they would be happier practicing a different type of law or, you know, doing a different type of law profession as opposed to leaving law altogether? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting phenomenon. There's a few different things. First of all, it's a sense of, you know, having to change your job without changing your job, which really means um, going about your job in a different way. My wife was a senior-level um, headhunter slash placement person within the legal profession. And people would often come to her looking for a new job. And through her capacity to um, be pretty intuitive and to listen carefully, she would sometimes realize that, you know, maybe it's not a new job that's necessary, but maybe it's a lifestyle change that's necessary. So um, kind of a close examination of, you know, what a person's individual skills and inclinations are, what their, for want of a better term, best work is, and um, to figure out whether or not the particular job they have or the particular profession they have is the right fit. Now, having said that, I think it's, it, it's really important before you throw away a legal education to actually think about how could your particular skills be used and how could the experience you've had as a practicing lawyer be used or be morphed into something that's a little bit suitable for the individual. So it's kind of a multi-step process, I think, to make that evaluation or assessment, but it's really important um, to do. Uh, a number of years ago, a colleague and I were actually working on a, um, a program in which lawyers could define what their best work is and then fit a career around what that best work is stemming from who they are as individuals. So um, a lot of different angles that you can take to find your right fit. Definitely. And speaking of, you know, really taking the time to assess what your skills and what brings you joy in the legal profession, um, you encourage journaling and um, recommend keeping a journal. Why do you think journaling is such an important activity? I know you speak a lot in the book about self-awareness and uh, you feel that journaling can contribute. Well, journaling is a wonderful way to get from what's deep buried perhaps on the inside, um, outside, where you can actually listen to yourself, and I use listen in the broadest sense, or read what you've written. Um, there's a concept called automatic writing, which I often use as a, as a coach or a consultant to give people the opportunity to kind of automatically and get out of them what's kind of buried on the inside. And, you know, once you can bring it out, you can then actually look at it. Sometimes people are actually even afraid to talk about um, the fact that they're uh, not happy in their work or job or career. Um, and this is a way to start to reflect on it and to start getting a sense of, gee, so what's really going on um, inside of me? Um, it's kind of a perhaps even a better way of just listening to your own internal conversation. Um, you know, we all talk to ourselves. Sometimes those voices are louder than others. But writing is perhaps even a, a more disciplined way um, getting outside what's going on on the inside so that we can actually then look at it in the light of day. That's really great. And another thing that I want to talk about in terms of managing stress is... Um, that several chapters discuss stress and self-care. So what does self-care really mean for lawyers? 
Well, it makes take you know, as the title of the book says, okay, um, about the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So it involves, you know, taking care of the physical body, um, enough sleep, good nutrition. You know, there's a whole chapter on nutrition uh, done by a, a nutritionist. Uh, managing stress done by a physician who was a former member of the Harvard Medical School faculty who's now doing a lot of work with holistic health. Uh, it involves building emotional resilience inside of you so that you're ready for the stressful situations that the practice of law can put you into. Um, it involves self-awareness of what's going on at any moment in time with you as an individual so that you can intervene in appropriate way. So taking care of all these different aspects of self becomes critical. I mean, and, and it's so easy to get lost because the practice of law is a very intellectual capacity. And we can really kind of sublimate all those other things that I just talked about and have deteriorating health in all those areas because our, our mind is so preoccupied with the intellectual content of the practice of law. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a level of crisis that we didn't know was creeping up. So having a balance in the areas of self-care becomes just so really important. Speaking of balance, lawyering and litigating involves a lot of conflict and arguing, but that can carry over into relationships. So how do you recommend lawyers turn off the adversarial part of their brain with colleagues and with friends and family? That's a great question, Ashley. It's something that's, um, well, I can identify with it because I think that I, I, um, I actually litigated my way out of a marriage many, many years ago. You know, two lawyers in a room, what, what would they tend to do? Um, they'll tend to, to argue, or as the old legal joke uh, goes, you know, one, one lawyer in a town starves, two lawyers, they both get rich, because there's somebody to argue with. So the idea of having enough self-awareness to realizing that all of a sudden you're cross-examining a significant other, or you're berating a, a child, the idea that... That mindset, that way of being, that role, you know, may be essential in a courtroom, may be essential to show your mettle in having a phone call with an adversary, but it's not an appropriate way of being with people that you care about. And so we have basic um, capacity to change the role that we play and to change our level of relationality and to choose act in different ways. It's really interesting. The book is kind of sandwiched between two chapters that talk about relationality. The first one, a wonderful study, um, deep empirical study, extensive empirical study done by a guy named Larry Krieger, who's a professor at the University Law School, uh, looking for, so what makes for happy lawyers? And his research revealed that happy lawyers are lawyers who pay attention to relationality, to connecting with clients, colleagues, court personnel, and people in their life. And the, the last chapter in the book is an afterword written by an attorney from uh, attorney mediator from Baltimore named Louise Sense. And um, Louise wrote a book about relationality a couple of years ago. 
And her chapter is all about a day in the life of a lawyer who chooses to be more relational than transactional and how that would look different and, and feel different. So we have the capacity to choose how we behave in different situations. Self-awareness is the first piece as part of emotional intelligence. Self-management is the second piece. And being strategic about that is kind of uh, critical. No, and that's definitely a great chapter, like you said, with a lot of data and a lot of strategies to back it up. Now, you use a phrase in the book that I really like, from managing conflict to developing collaboration. So what are some tips for our listeners on how to do that? Sure. The mindset being, first of all, to, to be able to see that the traditional lawyering and the traditional mindset of adversarialness sometimes can get in the way this is especially true with young lawyers, can get in the way of problem solving, which is what lawyering is all about. In my book, um, Turning Conflict to Collaboration, there's a story that I tell about working for um, Camden Legal Services as a second-year law student, being given 25 cases and told that that would probably keep me busy for the entire semester. Well, three weeks later, I went back to the head of the program and asked for more cases, and he was shocked and said, what did we do with the cases you gave you? And I said, uh, well, I resolved them all. I was able to settle them all. And he said, how'd you do that? And I said, well, I, I, I read through the files and got a sense of what might be a fair solution for everyone and made some phone calls, and people said yes. Now, I had not yet learned to be an advocate. And I thought that my job as an attorney was to be a problem solver. So we, we, we acquire and get into an adversarial mindset, and we get practiced at it, and we get better at it as time goes by. And I got really good at it after about 10 years of practicing law and practicing an adversarial mindset. And then I kind of walked away because um, I realized that I didn't think I was doing myself a great service, but perhaps more important, I didn't think I was doing um, clients a great service. It sometimes isn't the adversarial mindset that's going to get you what you want, but a collaboration mindset. How can we work on this together and come up with a solution that satisfies the needs of everybody in the situation? And usually that comes from the creativity of dropping the adversarial mindset disclosing what the real concerns are and coming up with a solution and help everyone. So it's a learning that I think um, is important for lawyers um, to be able to switch their mode of operation when the situation demands it. Definitely. And thank you for that. So in terms of collaborating, the chapter on diversity expresses how staying true to yourself and celebrating differences is crucial for attorney wellness. Can you expand on how diversity can positively impact wellness? Well, sure. Okay. I think one of the biggest kind of mistakes that's being made in the area of diversity is to focus on, on differences. When in truth, as human beings, we're about 95% similar in terms of our aspirations, our human desires. And so that's a one kind of critical fact. If we start to see other people not as different 
from us because of some surface differences, but similar to us because of the aspirations we all have as human beings, it goes a long way towards taking the edge off. Now, having said that, there are differences that we have. And using those differences to get different perspectives, to get different levels of creativity, to get uh, different levels of outcome, to um, feel like we are being more inclusive in the way we conduct ourselves, those mindsets make us feel better about ourselves as individual human beings. Connectivity and connecting to different people also makes us feel well. You know, we can all think about moments where we were in contact with other people uh, as opposed to working by ourselves, and there's something very generative about working collaboratively with different people. So the capacity to do that, I think, contributes to our individual well-being. It goes back to that notion of relationality, which I think is is, um, a critical mindset and a critical capacity developing. Definitely. And thank you for expanding on that. So another thing in terms of New Year's resolutions, a lot of people want to get more involved with the causes that they care about. For lawyers, that often means volunteering with bar associations and doing more pro bono work. So how can attorneys engage in more pro bono work? And what are some of the greatest benefits to that? Oh, my. It makes you feel good. Okay? I mean, the chapter on pro bono was written by Julie Lace, who is a, a partner in a, in a major law firm, but also in charge of the pro bono program. I mean, she, she tells a number of stories about the incredible levels of satisfaction that um, attorneys get from helping people in need who otherwise couldn't afford legal services. I mean, if we look around at the world today, there are so many situations that could use legal help. Um, immigration is one that immediately pops up, but um, there are, are so many other situations that local bar associations are aware of where people need legal help. Um, you've got a displacement of people in fires. I, I'm also reminded of... Um, I did a, a, an ABA annual meeting program right after 9-11, which is now, um, you know, 17 years ago. But it talked about the incredible pro bono response that lawyers had in that situation, helping each other, helping other lawyers, helping people um, navigate the needs of those situations. So tremendous levels of, of satisfaction from doing pro bono work and Getting involved in bar association activities, I mean, uh, I've been involved in the uh, law practice division for 25 years. I count a number of, you know, really good friends that I look forward to seeing in that area. The, the notion of contributing back to a profession that has been a great contribution uh, in my life. <laughs> I actually met my wife through an article that I submitted to a... Uh, ABA Practice Division um, magazine a number of years ago. So all kinds of benefits can can arise out of uh, getting involved in bar association activities and getting involved in pro bono activities. Great. Well, thank you. And definitely a lot of great connections to be made. So a lot of New Year's resolutions tend to fail by February. So how can lawyers really make 
sure that they maintain these new healthy habits and mindsets? Well, your life and your family depend upon it. Steve Myers, who's a managing partner of a large uh, Oakland, California law firm for many years, writes about this um, elegantly from his perspective of always making sure that he stayed in a well-balanced life because he saw people going off the edge in terms of getting too far entrenched in their professional activities, not taking their care of themselves, not taking care of their families. So the idea of realizing what really is at stake. I mean, I told the story earlier, a report in the American Law Media daily legal newsletter about um, suicide. So, you know, not kidding around, developing some of these new habits, your life is at stake. Your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, your relationship health. Um, Critical to be thinking about these things. Otherwise, you have the opportunity or the possibility of ending up as one of those statistics where the incidence of stress-related illness, disease, uh, emotional breakdown, and suicide, not to mention substance abuse, is so much higher in the legal profession than the general population. So that's the key motivation. But I'll even go further and say, not only will it help you stay away from those potential calamities and catastrophes, but the upside of developing emotional intelligence, the upside of bar association activities, the upside of physical exercise, all of these things will contribute to a much more happy, enjoyable, well-balanced, mindful life. Stuart, before we end our podcast today, uh, are there any messages you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I just would like to see um, everybody in the profession have access to the, the tools and the tips and the techniques that are in this book. Some of the reviews have kind of mentioned that, that it's kind of a critical um, competence and capacity for people to be thinking about these things. And so um, I just think it's real important to kind of spread the word to as many places as possible that this resource exists and that lawyers kind of experiencing high levels of stress don't have to kind of suffer in silence. Thank you. So if anyone would like to order copies of the book for other legal professionals or their law firms, or if they would like to have Stuart come speak to their groups, they can send him an email at resolutionworks at msn.com or check out his website, resolutionworks.com. Listeners, if you're interested in reading The Best Lawyer You Can Be, you can visit AmericanBar.org slash products to shop for the book in our new web store. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service.